as one joined together. So, well, good morning, everybody. And uh, as we just transform the stage here a little bit, just want to kind of give a, a foretaste to where we're going this morning. And last year, campus pastor shared with us just how God just the stories of him providing miraculously just through facilities for us as a church. And as great as it is to have nice facilities that we use for ministry, the reality is, as we all know, the church is the people. The people who have been impacted and changed by our Savior, Jesus Christ. And last week, Pastor Brandt, here at this campus and at all our campuses, you heard a message of sharing our story, Colossians 4. And just what Christ has done for us and be willing to do that. And so what you're going to hear this morning is some of those stories. We're going to hear some of your stories, some testimonies that campus pastors are going to share that you've given us permission to share as an encouragement and to testify what God has done. We're going to hear from a couple of the campus pastors themselves and how God has been working in their lives. But as we start this morning, kind of a theme verse we'll focus around is Psalm 6616. And the writer pens, come and listen, all you who fear the God, and I will tell you what he did for me. And I think we can all resonate with that too. When, when we hear the testimony out of somebody else's life and what God has done and is doing in their life, that resonates for me, and I'm sure for you, on a whole different level. It just brings encouragement and a realness to the real God and Savior that we serve. So as we get started here this morning, yeah, I put thought into this, John, as far as a lot of work. The first letter in our alphabet is A, so it just makes sense that we start with a Lanson this morning as we get going too. So, um, John, I'm going to let you just start to share what's been on your heart. Chad. Uh, th this morning, uh, I've got one specific story that uh, I'm excited to get to share with you. And uh, to start, I'd like you all to just meet Brenda and her uh, dog, Jasper. Uh, she couldn't be here today, and I'll get into why a little later, but she did say that she'd be watching online. So everyone just say, hi, Brenda. All right. Uh, just so you all know, she did give me permission to share her story with you today. And so I'm honored to do so. Um, this is a, a testimony of the deep relationship with Jesus that comes from persistence in prayer. How many of you know you've got to be persistent in prayer a lot of times? It's not just one ask and then you get what you're looking for, right? You've got to be persistent. Now, um, Brenda's story starts back in June, um, but really Brenda's testimony of life change actually uh, started way before that, um, way before that. And, and before I unpack her current testimony for you, I want to tell you about some of the walls. Uh, you might remember that phrase being used in our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. Here are some walls that Brenda has had to journey through in life. Um, now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to get too detailed, but both Brenda and I thought it was important uh, to, for you to understand what Jesus already has been walking her through, some hard and real 
and unimaginable things that, that maybe some of you have had to walk through as well with either yourself or with a loved one. Um, Brenda wrestled with feeling loved by God during her earlier years as a follower of Jesus, uh, which had a lot to do with a devastating loss. Uh, she miscarried triplets. Uh, this made it even more difficult for her and her husband to fight against a drug and alcohol addiction, um, which when I talked to her, she said, Praise Jesus, as of January 11th, I've been sober for one full year. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Good job, Brenda. Um, this fight against addiction then eventually found Brenda navigating life after divorce, uh, which can so often happen after experiencing the type of loss and strain uh, their marriage had gone through. And then Brenda also vulnerably shared that through all of this, she understandably has had consistent mental health struggles, including anxiety and depression. And I think we can all agree that having only one of these walls would be a challenge. But for years, Brenda has been putting in work to press into Jesus, to journey through all of this and so much more. Meeting with counselors, uh, getting help from doctors, uh, talking openly with church leaders, and also sharing life with some very trusted friends from her church family. So now as she journeyed through these walls, it, it wasn't without a doubt and struggle, right? Like most of us, she'd go to church, she'd sing the worship songs, even go to Bible studies consistently, um, but the whole time she was questioning uh, if it was working, if it was actually helping her, thinking things like, you know, I know I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't always feel him, or I do all the talking and it just seems like he's silent, is he even listening to me? Does he even care about me? Real questions that maybe some of us may be asking this morning. Well, as she continued pressing into Jesus through all the trauma and hurt and loss, as she kept asking good questions and studying God's word consistently, all of it finally clicked for Brenda. And uh, when, she, when she felt like the Lord was calling her to sell her house and actually moved to Tennessee to be with her son and his family, which was a desire that Brenda has had for so long, um, but it wasn't until this past year that she finally felt like the timing was right. Um, but at the same time, wrestling with, you know, is this really you, Jesus? Uh, it feels like I haven't heard from you for so long, so is this really you, or is this just something that I want? And if it is you, how are you going to get me from point A to point B? I think you're seeing where this is going, and I'll get to Brenda's specific obstacles, but I wanted to pause here for just a moment, because I think if we're honest, many of us have expectations of our walks with Jesus too. We think, Lord, if you're really in this, then why am I having to overcome all these obstacles? Why does it feel like you're making me jump through all these hoops? And wow, did Brenda have some obstacles and some hoops, Okay. Um, I'm just going to briefly touch on those. One, she got scammed by a company that essentially tried stealing her title. Uh, she had buyer after buyer say they were interested, but then back out at the last minute. Her now ex-husband passed away this year, whom she remained very close to up to the day he passed. She struggled with many health issues. And then the new house that she thought was secure ended up falling through just a few weeks before she had to be out of her old house. 
Now, through all of this, Brenda would be the first to admit that those old struggles reared their ugly heads. Anxiety, fear, anger, depression, stress, all the same feelings you and I would experience when we face obstacles like that. Um, But for an entire frustrating season, Brenda would pray consistently, asking for Jesus to come through. Lord, help me through yet another awful situation. Lord, bring me a buyer for my house. Lord, let this sickness pass. And when it seemed like he was coming through, like he'd answered her prayers, she got out of the awful situation or a buyer came along or she got the medicine she needed. In a matter of days, it felt like those answers were just taken away from her. She'd find herself in another awful situation, the buyer would walk, or the medicine just wasn't working. But this part is crucial, you guys, and this is what I want to highlight this morning. Brenda persisted in prayer. She was committed to spending time with Jesus every day, no matter her circumstances. She prioritized time with Jesus, and she said that as she persisted with Jesus in prayer, her relationship with him grew deeper. Having gone through this past eight months, Brenda now describes her walk with Jesus differently. I just want to quote here for you. I just want to quote her for you here. Here's what she said. She said, I have a daily walk with Jesus now. I feel Jesus in me like a hug. I hear his spirit speak to me saying, I'm here and I got you and it's going to be okay today. She said, I've learned to give Jesus all the glory no matter what happens, and that all along I've just needed to trust him for a place to live, for finances, for everything. And Pastor John, my depression is so much better, and I'm just way more thankful. You see, what initially seemed like hoops the Lord was making Brenda jump through, what seemed like obstacles, um, Brenda would tell you now it was God giving her opportunities to teach her how to surrender how to surrender her ideal timing for his perfect timing, how to surrender her will, her way of doing things so that his will could be done and so that he could have his way in her life. And I'm thrilled to say this part, but this leads us back to why Brenda isn't here today, which is kind of the cherry on top of the Sunday, all right, Uh, to how she's grown in Jesus this last year. But Brenda couldn't be here today because in answer to her deepest heart's desire, she and her son and his friends and some of our church family packed her home up in a U-Haul yesterday, and she is currently traveling to go to her new home next to her son. That is answered prayer, you guys. That is answered prayer. And she wanted to tell all of you, she wanted me to tell all of you thank you, um, because Brenda really believes this, and so do I, that her testimony is the result of all the ways that Jesus was working through the life of her church family to impact her. Um, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6-8, through he says, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. You guys, some of us in this very room or online planted the seeds of Jesus in Brenda's life by actually living life with her. Others of us, we watered those seeds through the ministries that many of you serve in and your generosity in giving uh, as you serve in giving as one church in three locations. 
I want to end by highlighting that Jesus is using all of us working together with the same purpose to grow testimonies like Brenda's all throughout our campuses. This isn't an isolated event. Maybe you're here today and you needed to hear Brenda's testimony to encourage you to press in to Jesus and journey through a wall of your own. Maybe you just needed to be reminded that planting and watering that you're doing daily for Jesus' kingdom, it's making a difference, you guys. It really is making a difference, even if you don't see the difference it's making. And maybe your generosity here is making a difference over in Alanson or over in East Jordan and, and vice versa at our Alanson and East Jordan campuses. We're all impacting each other. We really are one church, three locations. My hope for all of us in this room and watching online is that we keep pressing in, keep doing the good work of planting and watering that Jesus has called us to do, and be persistent in prayer like Brenda was, asking Jesus that the seeds we're scattering will grow to be fruitful in the lives of his people. Thank you. Well, that concludes the service for today, I think. Yeah, wow. Brenda, thank you, truly, uh, on behalf of the church. Seriously, thanks for uh, letting John share your story with us. And um, I wrote down a couple things, John, just that impacted me out of that. But I'm just thinking, you know, you've, you as a campus pastor, you've been able to walk closer alongside with Brenda, obviously in her life, and get to know her and, and have a friendship with her, too. And you know, testimonies a lot of times are what resonate friendship and growth together. And I'm just curious for you, do you have anything personally, we all heard that and probably got impact pieces out of that the Lord's using, but has there any anything as you've walked with her that's just really encouraged you as a friend and as a pastor walking with her? Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, <clears throat> for me, it was, a, it was a good reminder that um, we're all, all of us out here are facing walls. We're all going to hit walls at some point in our life. No one exists, is exempt, uh, not even me. No one up here on the stage is exempt. None of you sitting out there is an exempt from that. Um, so when we're confronted with a wall, uh, we really only have two choices. We can either let it be a barrier to our relationship with Jesus. We can get stuck behind the wall. Or we can do the hard work of journeying through the wall, of pressing into Jesus and actually wrestling with him about whatever it is that we're struggling to understand. And I'll be honest, even walking with Brenda through all this, that's a hard thing to do, you guys, because the goal of wrestling with Jesus is actually to let him win, right? Mm -hmm. He needs to be winning over whatever expectations we have of how our lives are supposed to be or whatever attachments that we're still holding on to or ideas about him or identities we're still holding on to and trusting in. And it's, uh, it's just those areas of our life that Jesus wants you to surrender. And I just walking alongside Brenda, I, we all have those areas. And so we need to be daily surrendering those to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Well, we're going to continue moving on here. Jason, as our alphabet goes, E would be next. So why don't you share with what uh, God's put on your heart? All right. Thanks, Chad. Uh, God is doing amazing things in East Jordan to change lives in a variety of ways. And so there's lots of stories I could choose from to tell today, including two people I saw this morning who just told me more of their story last Sunday after church. And in addition to that, there were 12 people who were baptized in East Jordan campus over the past year. 
Every one of them an example of life change. Among those, there was a young girl and her mom who were baptized during our outdoor service and baptism in July this past year. And I knew, listening to this 70-year-old story of faith, that her story needed to be told as a follower of Jesus Christ. But then I, I learned more details about her mom's story. And so today I want to tell you about how God changed one single mom, even though there's lots of other people that were impacted by that story and played a part in it as well. Amy Carpenter's here today, and thank you very much for giving me permission to share your story today. And I suppose the story starts best with Lee Cloyd. And many of you know Lee's story of faithfulness and faith in Christ through a brain injury and the loss of her husband and other hardships. And so there I was, somewhere around eight years ago, visiting Lee in her home. And somebody else was there. And so Lee introduced me to one of her good friends, Amy. And I was immediately confused because I knew Amy from years before when I was the youth pastor at the Walloon campus, and she was in our youth group. And I'd seen her occasionally since then. What I couldn't figure out was how in the world did Amy and Lee become friends? And it turns out Lee and her husband Phil had been paying Amy as a teenager to help around the house doing chores and such. And she just never really stopped going over there. Why is that? Because ever since she left home at 17, Amy had trouble trusting people. And yet, something was different over at the Cloyd's house. In her words, me helping them was actually them helping me. They were always reaching out. The door was always open. So we spent time together sharing coffee and talking. And as Amy kept helping them over the years, they kept loving like Jesus and sharing that love with Amy. And Amy said one special way that Lee did that was she loved my kids so much. And I said, Amy, Lee didn't like kids. And she goes, exactly, and yet she loved my kids anyway. You see, Lee and Phil, as they were sharing Jesus Christ, they never forced themselves, but they kept sharing their faith and the love of Christ and their other advice in a sweet and blunt and honest way, but were never pushy. Fast forward, Phil died. Amy helped Lee even more, and Lee kept loving Amy even more as the years went on. She said, eventually, as a single mom, Amy decided to go to church regularly, even though Lee had been asking her for years. And when she at least started playing the drum, she used that as another reason why Amy might want to come to church, to see her play. And she said, it wasn't for the singing, it wasn't for the people, even Lee, it wasn't even for Jesus. But in her words, Amy came to church because it was a place I could go to get away from my kids. She said, I wanted to be with my kids, but just down the hall for a little while where somebody else would take good care of them while I got a few minutes of quiet by myself. Simply put, she was there for the free child care. As Amy told me her story just a couple of months ago, she made a point to tell me that when she was coming to church regularly, I wasn't coming to hear your sermons, Pastor Jason. In fact, I wouldn't even listen to them. I would completely ignore them and use the quiet time to journal about my life. She said, looking back in that journal, over the first few weeks of coming to church, I journaled about my life, the lights on the ceiling, what other people in the room were doing, never about the service or the sermon. She said, one time... She even saw Pastor Josh coming. And remember, she didn't trust people. She didn't come to church to be with people. She came to be alone. And here comes Pastor Josh. If you know him, you know what's coming. 
<laughs> she said, oh, no, he's going to talk to me because he was so friendly. And maybe he sensed that, but as he approached Amy and her kids before the service, he just gave the kids a fist bump and talked to them for a minute and then said hi to Amy and continued walking. She says, it was perfect because I didn't have to talk. And she said then, looking back in that journal, I started making notes about things I'd hear you say that I disagreed with, writing out my arguments. But finally, I started listening, and God started speaking. You know, it's interesting, looking back, she remembers me uh, back when she was a teenager from those youth ministry days as well, and she said, you were the only youth pastor who never kicked me out of youth group. And based on what Lee said about you as her pastor, it gave me the inspiration not to dismiss everything you said. And so over time, Jesus revealed himself to Amy during her time at church, even though that's not why she came to church. And that was how, over the course of about almost 20 years, God was working in the details of Amy's life in order to reach her and change her life. And here's the kicker. At the same time that Amy started coming regularly to East Jordan Community Church and listening to Jesus, and he started changing her life, God was beginning to change her now husband, Anthony's life, at a different church at the very same time. And then as they came closer to Jesus Christ, they, they came closer to each other and started attending both of them at EJ. And this summer, both of them were baptized during that outdoor service along with Amy's daughter, Amelia. And her son can't wait to get, for his turn to get baptized this summer. And all three of them have their own stories to tell about how Jesus impacted their lives. And yet they're all intertwined with how God interacted and changed Amy's life. It's amazing what God can do in people's lives, isn't it? It's even more amazing when you consider Psalm 8, which says, O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You've taught children and infants to tell of your strength. Just wait till you hear Amelia's story a little later. Silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. In the grand scheme of things, as big as God is, who's Amy? Who's Lee? Who am I? And who are you that God should care for us? And yet, God worked in the intricate details of Amy's life for years to show how much he loves Amy and her family. And her story is a powerful reminder to each of us that right now, he's still working in the intimate details of your life and those you care for because he does care for us, every one of us mere mortals. And so if you come to church not to hear from Jesus but for some other reason, that's okay. We're glad you're here. Keep coming. Just be aware that someday you might actually hear from Jesus anyway. And if the reason you are here is to listen to Jesus, keep listening to him, church, as he t tells you how much he cares for you. And keep letting him use you to care for others, the way that Lee did for Amy for so many years. And then be sure to tell your story of how God changes lives. Yeah.
Thank you, Amy. Thank you for letting us share your story. Well, Jason, how does it feel to uh, know that somebody finds the lights in your auditorium a little more interesting than your preaching? You know, the view's a little different from up here than down there, so she wasn't the first one. And who knew that God could use lights to actually reach people as a tool for him? And so... we all know that church isn't about us pastors, but about God doing his work in his church through his people. And i got to say that Amy's story is a real powerful reminder just how essential our children's workers are in our church throughout all three campuses. Yeah. You who are serving our children week after week, you'll never know the impact that you may have on those children on their families, and our, our entire church. So thank you. Thank you for what you do for Jesus and for the rest of us as well. Yeah. No, I truly thank you. Well, Brent, it's your turn. So we're going to let you share what God's been doing in your life and on your heart. And Yeah. There you go. You know, the overriding theme of all of these four messages really has to do with God's doing work in you, but it's often connected to somebody, right? And uh, God's doing a work in our church, and you're part of it. It's connected to somebody. Um, Last year, we took some students to Beaver Island for a youth wilderness experience, and we did a lot of cool things, but one of the things we did was teach them how to light a one-match fire. Give them one match, and it's like, that's that's what you get. And the trick with making a one-match fire is figuring out how to get a tiny flame on the end of a match to burn into a full fire through the right combination of fuel and oxygen. Fuel and oxygen. A small spark needs fuel and oxygen to turn into a big fire. You get the flame burning brighter by giving it the right fuel and then fanning the right amount of oxygen into it. The spiritual gift, the gift, the talent that is deposited inside of each one of you is the spark. It needs, though, fuel, the fuel of regular practice and the oxygen of encouragement to fan it into flame. I think it was John Wesley who said, light yourself on fire and people will come from miles to watch you burn. (laughs) He's talking about the passion of the gift that's inside of him, right? Um, And you're not going to find anyone alive who has a passion from God and is totally isolated from people. Passion is connected to people. If you think about the times in your life when you were the most faith-filled, and maybe it's right now, I can guarantee you somebody else is part of that story. Right? Who's part of that story whose flame, the heat from their flame, you felt that heat. You, you, your spark was increased because of their flame. Passion is connected to people. And, and I see that in Scripture, too. Second uh, Timothy, um, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. Paul says to Timothy, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. That's why I remind you, fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love 
and self-discipline. I think there's something very interesting to note here. That yes, there's a spiritual deposit in every believer, but the work that the Spirit will do through you is rarely automatic. It must be cultivated. It must be fanned into flame. It must be given oxygen of encouragement and the fuel of opportunity. It has to be fanned into flame. And so I, I was just wanting to reflect on my story a little bit in the ways that people did that with me to get me to the point that I'm at today. And I began to fall in love with the Bible when I heard my parents, or when I heard God speak to it through to me through it. I'm sorry. I began to fall in love with the Bible when my parents would read the Bible to me, and I'd hear God speak. And this, this is actually one of the first Bibles I ever had. Thank you. It was just hilarious because also as they were reading the Bible to me, rarely was I doing anything but listening. <laughs> this is, I was showing Pastor John earlier today. It is an artwork of the 90s. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this. The very famous um, S that we all used to draw. Yeah, you got that, right? And, and like, I, I was doodling half the time. Um, I've got stickers throughout. I had a page ripped out because I had, like, glued it together. Um, like, there, this, but this was my Bible, and I started reading through this. And in, in the chicken scratch writing of the time, I was able to read and see. I was able to look back and go, man, God was actually speaking to me through the Bible. As my parents would be reading the Bible to me. And when I got to high school, hey, you can hold on to that for me. <laughs> got a lot going on here. I discovered a thrill. I discovered a thrill with something that was unanticipated. Uh, the stage, public speaking, like speech and debate classes and drama productions in high school with Kate Britton and Sonia Hill and Darla Smila and even my mom. And, and speaking opportunities in high school. Um, Pastor Casey Smith gave me training opportunities for preaching and, and gave me the chance to speak on Sunday nights in front of 10 people, and, and Pat Went would schedule me to speak for the Harbor Light chapels, uh, and I'll never forget this. One day when I was 16, I was sitting in a Walmart parking lot, totally ordinary moment. We were just finishing out, coming home from church, didn't want to go in and grocery shop, so I was sitting in the car while the rest of my family was shopping, and I'm sitting there looking out the window, thinking about, man, what, what has God made me for? And he said, I want you to work for me. And I didn't exactly know in the moment what that meant, but I certainly knew that there was a lot of ambitions in my life that I had that it did not refer to. And I knew right there I wasn't meant to pursue those things anymore. And so I, be, I, just, I went to Bible college to pursue what I thought I was being called to, to study these things further. And so Dr. McMath and Dr. Neely and Dr. Baker and Dr. Wong Lai Singh and Dr. Cragen and Dr. Kessler and even towards the end, Dr. Ryan Cook, all inspired a love for the word written and the word preached and the word lived. And a few more opportunities to fan this gift into flame. You know, Pastor Matt Dreitz at Harvest leading uh, my pastoral internship. Ken Riley, the executive director at Lake Ann Camp, giving me leadership lessons and leadership opportunities. And Ken Rudolph teaching me how to pray deeply and communicate effectively. And Pastor Paul Nather taking a chance on me and hiring me in an interim role in Bismarck, North Dakota, and then even Pastor Jeff uh, taking a chance on me to hire me as youth pastor and letting me preach on the occasional Youth Pastor Sunday. <laughs> Which, if you're not in the know, that's the days that he, no pastor wants to preach. <laughs> Labor Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day, right after Christmas. <laughs> yep. Uh, 
Those experiences, though, and truly many others, there's a lot of names I didn't name. They all led me here to the privilege of being on the preaching team and involved in leadership conversations. But the dominant theme of it all was that God used specific people at various stages of my life to give me the fuel of opportunity and the oxygen of encouragement that my gift needed to breathe to be fanned into flame. And passion is connected to people. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So you, you probably hit on this a little bit. I guess I'm just stirring in my head here some and talking about the spark that's in every one of us and the gift that God's instilled us with. And I guess so specifically, what is it that what is it that lights you up as a yeah. individual? Um, it's something I've been thinking about actually for the last for a while now. And I think it, for me, at least at this moment, it boils to, down to four things. It's it's a love for scripture. Um and there's nothing like God speaking to you through the word. And we were singing this earlier, and it was like, like I, I just want him, I, and, and I want to hear from him. And, and like hearing from him is life. So for me, it's a love for scripture. It's a, it's a passion to speak and to teach and to train and to, to preach. Um, I love being able to communicate what God is speaking. I would hate giving TED Talks. Um, I would hate doing normal speeches. Because to me, I'm like, I have to defend my own expertise. But when I preach, I, I'm just going to let the lion out. He'll fight for himself. And um, to stand behind the authority of the word is just such a, a thrill as a preacher. A heart for the lost, um, man, I, I never want to be so surrounded by a Christian bubble that and like literally, I get paid to do that in a, in a sense, right? Like I'm a pastor and I work with the church and I, I and I develop people within the church, but also I, I have such a heart to see people who don't know Jesus discover this beauty that I've found. And and so a love for scripture, a passion to preach, a heart for the lost, and then there's just usually a gravitational pull towards towards leading people and and uh, just kind of discovering what that is a little bit more. But it was through all those changes. And those transitions and those different seasons coming and going in my life, I saw new opportunities. Uh, consistent encouragement uh, just gave me the oxygen to the spark inside of me. So that passion really is connected to so many people, so many of you. Uh, and each season I've tried to fan that gift into flames in other people as well. That, and that's, that's kind of what lights me up. Thank you. Yeah, it's encouraging. Pastor Jeff. want to talk a little bit about change and transitions and adjustments. Have you noticed life is full of them? Um, sometimes we don't like change. Can I see a hand? Anybody? I don't really care for change too much. Yeah. Uh, it's coming. I, I promise you there'll be some adjustments and transitions right around the corner. I illustrate this way. Uh, a baby is born pretty helpless. Can't do anything except cry and eat and need to get changed, if you know what I mean. So uh, carried everywhere, but pretty soon the baby starts moving and before you know it, they can flip over and then they start crawling and before you know it, they're walking. And after a while, they're running 
and you can't keep up with them practically. And that continues on until then you hit that age, and I don't know if any of you are there, but you don't run anymore, if you know what I mean. Yeah, unless, unless there's a bear or a bad guy after you, I'm walking. Um, uh, and then slowly, almost most of us, many of us have to have a, a cane or a walker, and before you know it, now you've hit that end stage where you can't even move at all. Change. Transitions. Adjustments. There, there's a passage, it's one of my favorite passage passages in God's Word. Um, if you've been to any cemetery committal services that I've ever done, I almost always read this one. And uh, Solomon writes... Uh, wise words, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 8, about change and adjustments and transitions. So, you've been sitting for a while. Would you stand with me? Let's read together God's book, if you're able, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Join with me. For everything there is a season. A time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And this is the time that you can be seated. It's good stuff. Life is full of changes and adjustments and transitions. And let me say that's even true in the church of Jesus Christ. I'd like to think that maybe we're exempt and we just find that good zone and we get to stay there, but that's not true. Change, adjustments, transitions. So beginning this year, a transition that we've already begun, and I'm happy to report so far so good, at least on my end, uh, we've begun a team teaching and preaching model. Um, in 2021, those of you at this campus, I apologize, you hear about my medical report far too often. The other two campuses, uh, maybe not so much. But I had four eye surgeries on my right eye. The last one, down at Beaumont Hospital downstate, they literally peeled the white out of my eyeball and filled it with some special oil. Um, and then, uh, 2021, then September 2022, um, I had triple bypass heart surgery. 
Um, I had what they called the classic widowmaker. No symptoms, no pain, no nothing. Most people uh, with the classic widowmaker just dropped dead, and they're with Jesus. Uh, so that's what happened September 2022. I tell you all that because during all of these five surgeries, Pastor Brandt stepped up, and uh, he demonstrated a gift, a talent for preaching and teaching God's book. I would say he's been faithful, available, and teachable, which I think are some of the key qualities. And I just want to say publicly, thank you, Pastor Brent. Well done. So for the next season, Pastor Brandt is now a part of this preaching team, which we're convinced the Lord has uh, brought together, includes myself, Pastor Jason, Pastor John, and Pastor Brandt. Um, here's what I need to tell you loud and clear. Are you listening? Okay. I will continue being the lead senior pastor during this season. Okay? I've been blessed to be the lead senior for 32 plus years, uh, and I don't know where the time went, um, except when I look at pictures and I say, what happened to that dark-haired, skinny guy? Uh, but anyway, I will continue to, to lead, but I need to say one more time, life is full of changes and transitions and adjustments. We just read it, for everything there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven. That's true for all of us. Really is. I love being here. I love being a part of uh, this church family. You guys are the best. And when we're gone, I miss you. I really do. So it's good to be back. And uh, if you want to hear more, I think you're going to hear even more specific, more, more, uh, more detail about what the Lord has done and is doing if you'll make your way to the annual meeting, which happens what, maybe 15 minutes or so after uh, conclusion of this service? Yeah, okay. That's, uh, that's my uh, message, and uh, I'm going to hold on to it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was helpful having pictures to go with some of these testimonies. I'm really glad you did not put your eye surgery yeah. Or open chest up or, there. So. Or, or my, my bypass would have been worse. Yeah, though we would have remembered I didn't that. watch the YouTube till afterward on that okay. one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's kind of, you, you precursored a bit of an elephant in a room almost there a little bit. Yes. And that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just step towards that a little bit, maybe okay. to help clarify. Okay. Do you know how long you intend on remaining or being the senior lead pastor yet or do you have any idea right now as to who's going to take your place right good questions Jed thanks for acknowledging the elephant <laughs> in the room I, I guess I'm going to share what we know and I'm talking myself the pastors and the elders here I don't have an exact time frame at this particular point. I believe the Lord will guide us. And I would really appreciate all of your prayers 
Pray for wisdom. Pray for guidance and direction. And I'm not sure who's going to be the new senior lead pastor. It could be Pastor Jason. It could be Pastor John. It could be Pastor Brandt. It could be Pastor Chad. Here's, here's a wild thought. It could be somebody we don't even know their name right now. I don't know, um, and, and it's just honest. So we're sharing as much as we know at this particular time. And I promise you, as the Lord makes himself clear, it, it, we know that the team is what the Lord has led us to, and I believe in, in due time the Lord will make himself clear on uh, exactly the answer to those questions. Um, that's, that's all I got. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I, I think it's, you hit on that, though. And, and as, we, as we start church to, you know, obviously we, the, the toe is going in the pool in this conversation, if you will. So can we remember one of our core values? Prayer is our power. And obviously, as, as we start to unfold in this direction as a church, specifically with Jeff's situation, when the time comes, this is going to be a big thing for our church. The Lord's got it. And the Lord wants, obviously, to be the leader. It's his church. And he's going to direct very well through all of these pieces and parts as we go. But we as a church, he wants us communicating well from him. He wants us listening well from him. Prayer is our power church so if we can be just in charge of putting that in place and just seeing where he takes it so all right thank you Jeff for that you know it's um it's been encouraging for me to just see and to hear the power of of one person we've heard, we've heard four different individual stories here connected to multiple you are an individual, each one of you. God has made you unique for this time in history, this place, this church, this connection, your family, your friends. And you've got a story that he's working on. There's many of you that we could have reached out and said, hey, would you mind if we shared your story this Sunday? There were two specific examples we picked but I think that's the big challenge and question to write off of even last week's sermon in Colossians 4 and Paul's heart for even the church at that time to be praying, give me the courage, Lord, give me the words, give me the testimony and be willing to share. As our sign says out front right now, you know, live out the gospel and use words when necessary. There will be times when you, God will totally give you a moment to speak for him. Are you willing to share his story, which is your story, to let him use that. Some of you are sitting here today because you were impacted by somebody's story and they were willing to share and to speak. And God used that to fire, that plant the seed and water and make it grow. I just want to encourage you, share your story. Can I pray for you? Pray for us as we do that. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's uh, just thank you. Thank you for the life, the change, the perfect love that you meet us in. Thank you for being the one that can hold and hug our hearts, even as Brenda said, even in those moments that are just, that's all we're hanging on to. 
And Lord, you're there and you're stable. And Lord, I just I thank you for the encouragement today. And I know the, the stories we heard, every, every one of them, they want Jesus, you, to be lifted high in them. It's not about them. It's about you and what you've done in their lives and are doing. So God, as the Apostle Paul so often prayed too, Lord, would you give each one of us courage? Often we need your Holy Spirit's strength to just speak and to speak forth what you want us to say about you and to make you look incredibly awesome as you are. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. And now we sing a worship song fresh to you right now. Amen.